Hello and welcome to another episode of Galactica. Actually, I am a Diallo Jackson and my co-host is Jamie Smith. How are you doing today, Jamie? I'm good. How are you? <clears throat> you know, living life, not <laughs> not being occupied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we are we are at season three. Yeah. And like wow. Um just a couple of things. So I, as I was watching or I was listening to the commentary for the for this episode, um, Ron Moore actually talked a little bit about the webisodes, um, and it would, we talked about that on our last episode. But apparently, they it, it was I was a little unclear, but it sounds like they had written the season three uh, scripts before they really developed the webisodes. Because um, they said at one point they actually had to go back and digitally put in the picture of Duck and Nora, because originally it was like just some other random actress, yeah. and then they hadn't developed that stuff yet. So I thought that was a little bit interesting. After all of the stuff we talked about last week, yeah, yeah, I did read that um, they had originally planned on. Jammer being the one who suicide bombs and they changed their mind on that because Aaron Douglas pointed out that Jammer had previously been portrayed as a weak person and (laughs) that that would make that it would make more sense to make him a collaborator. Yeah. And it did. It did. Yeah, totally made sense. And I guess now's the time I can finally tell my Katie Sackhoff story. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) It just it I only I always think about it just because it was so tied into what I thought was gonna be happening in season three. And I'm kinda I guess I'm glad I'm wrong. Um so um in like it's two I guess it was two thousand seven, um I went to take uh, I wanted to learn how to ride a motorcycle. So I went to go take motorcycle class, right? And uh, me and a friend signed up. We show up. And, you know, and I'm the biggest, you know, at that point, like, just obsessed with the new Battlestar Galactica, right? We show up. And in the class is Katie Sackhoff. Really? And, yeah. <laughs> my mind was blown. And also in that class was Joshua Jackson. Really? Um, yeah, so we were in little, like, we had to break off into little groups. So Katie wasn't in my group, but Joshua is. And um, so we called him Josh, mm-hmm. actually. Um, I've heard and, that he's yeah. called Josh by his friends. Yeah, that's uh, that's <laughs> what we call him. <laughs> so, you know, so we're so we're in the middle, like, it, it was between, you know, season three season two and season three and you know we had seen the finale of season two and just i'm wondering like what exactly is going to be happening a season season three and so she's in this motorcycle class and i'm like are they going to be like riding motorcycles around (laughs) (laughs) and the only reason i really thought that was this is going to sound really stupid but in in galactica 1980 (laughs) 
<laughs> when they get to Earth, they're like riding. They were like doing this thing. That, that show is like a mess. But they were riding around on motorcycles that could like could like fly. They were like motorcycle versions of Vipers or something. And and like the motorcycles could like fly at a certain point. So not really like Star Wars speed bikes. Not no, they were they were better than speed bikes because they could fly fly. Uh. Like so they were like motorcycles, but then like you know, like little they would flip a switch or something and then like little uh wings and jets would pop out and then oh they could God. take off and fly like <laughs> sky cycles. Yeah. Like Galactica nineteen eighty is um a complete mess. <laughs> <laughs> But I still, it's like as much of a mess as it is, I still always thought that those motorcycles were cool. So the, I, I, and so knowing that they, you know, planted like little things from the original show in this, I was just like, like, are they going to like be riding motorcycles around? (laughs) I didn't think they would be like like, sky cycles or anything. Did you think it would be on New Caprica? Yeah. New Caprica. Yeah. 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 Because, you know, I just, I just didn't know whatever. Um, As it turns out, she just was learning how to ride a motorcycle. Well, yeah, because so she and Trisha Helfer and Michael Trucco, the three of them, became like, like really into riding their motorcycles. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, because I remember just pretty recently, I think uh, it's on her Instagram. She like sold her motorcycle or whatever. Oh. She's she moved. Now she's a mom. Um, I think she probably wants to be a little more careful. Yeah, yeah, but uh, and because yeah, I think she sold it and then they moved up to where. Uh, Oregon pretty yeah, soon after that. Pacific Northwest. I, I didn't know if it was Oregon or Washington, but I think she's originally from Oregon, so oh, I just assumed okay. that that's where. Uh, but I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, wow. <laughs> so that's that's my story. And so you know, so so did you talk to her at all? You know, I never talked to her. Um, she was in a different group, and I. It's like I'm. I'm like weird. I'm a weirdo. So it's like. I can see Sean Penn something. And I'm like, hey, what's up, Sean? Whatever. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I'll see some actor in some like smaller thing that might be like a quote unquote more obscure and I like I freak I can't talk to you. I can't I freak out, you know? Um so it was kinda like that with her, but there wasn't really like a natural like thing for me to say. I almost never just talk to any celebrity like I see them just be like, I love you. I just, I just don't, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. So it has to be like a natural thing. And I just never had one, but, but she was like, she was like sitting at a table right next to me for like, you know, however many classes there were. Wow. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And then, um, and you know, I was talking with, you know, with Josh, he was in our, our group. It was actually kind of cool because when we had to take our final test, um, like we had to do a written test and then I think we had to do a writing test. So the written test we did, and then, um, you know, I, we are, we're kind of finished and we had to pass our papers in. And I remember Josh passed his in and he walked back over to Katie and he said, I just really want to say how great I think you are. You know, you're really great. And then she was like, oh, thank you so much. You're so great. You know, I just thought that was like a really <laughs> cool, you know, yeah. cool moment. Yeah. Um, as it turns out, I think I think Josh, like it was like a it was like maybe within a year later or something. Um, Josh, he was actually in a some movie that he was riding a motorcycle in. I never saw it. I just remember seeing a picture, and I was like, "Oh, that's why he was learning." Huh. 
Um, but for her, it wasn't so that they could ride sky motorcycles. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> as, yeah, as bad, like again, as bad as Battles, uh, Galactica 1980 is, is like terrible. But there are like little pieces of it that I actually really love. And I think we talked about that final episode of it like way later. But it's almost like that's not a Galactica 1980 episode because basically it's Starbuck on the planet. And that was actually the best episode they did. But there were like little things about it that I, I kind of liked. Um, but yeah, it was like those motorcycles were always cool. They would like wear their Viper helmets while they were riding on L.A streets LA highways wow. like chips <laughs> uh, anyway well, yeah so that's my that's my story my story that pertains to this episode which i believe i don't think i maybe i told it a little bit on air i know i think i told you i, I worked at a talent agency and we would get sides and you know for for auditions and some Battlestar sides came through and I like was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And like immediately opened up the files so I could read them. And what it was, I don't know, I don't even remember what part they were trying to cast for. But the sides that they sent over had this whole portion from this beginning of Ellen having sex with Cavill. And there was no context it was just <laughs> that Ellen was having sex with Cavill and I didn't know that Ty was in, imprisoned. I didn't know there wasn't any other detail. And I was like, what the fuck? I don't want to read this. Like, I don't even, I, I don't want to read this. This is going to ruin everything for me because now I'm like freaked out that this is happening. It's so gross. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and so I just like after that, whenever we got Battlestar stuff, I just like sent people out on auditions, but I didn't read the sides because I didn't want to be spoiled because like just the idea of them having and in my mind, I was like, I can't believe Ellen is doing this to Ty. Like, I can't believe that they're down on New Caprica and she is fucking a Cylon. Holy shit. And I didn't I didn't know where the show was going to go from there. And mm -hmm. I'm really glad that when I saw the episode, I immediately understood, like, as soon as they stop having sex and she's like, and when do I get what I want? I immediately yeah. understood why she was doing it. And yeah. It wasn't because she was cheating on Ty to cheat on him. It wasn't typical Ellen bullshit. It was like she was doing this with purpose. And yeah. so I appreciated that more, but. Yeah, that moment when I read that, I remember I like messaged Sarah and was like, I just got a major spoiler for Battlestar. Do you want to know? Because <laughs> I just like needed to talk about it. And I honestly don't remember because we were doing it over IM. I don't remember if she let me tell her or not, but I like, yeah, yeah, I it just was so upsetting. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's my between seasons Battlestar story. Not quite as cool as yeah. having motorcycle lessons with Katie Sackhoff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are it's you know, I mean you lived in LA. I just have these I have all these little random 
like moments. You just wake up one day, you're living your life, and the next thing you know, you're at a party with some, you know, somebody. Yeah. It's like, hey. Yeah, I've I've then, got so many stories like that, which are really fun to tell because people are like, oh, my God. And they just think like everywhere yeah. you go, there's celebrities. And it's not really like that, but it is kind of like that. Just yeah. depends, you know. So I kind of believe in I, I kind of believe in like the law of attraction a little bit, too, because I tend to meet like when I ha when I'm like obsessed with the show, then I actually somehow I tend to meet like that person. <laughs> I or never like somebody did. from it. Never ever. It's like like of all the people. Like, how am I? You know what I mean? Like I'm obsessed with Battlestar, and then here's like yeah. Katie, right? And um, I kind of like r ran in some circles um, where uh, with a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> really, Bodie almost. Yeah. Um, so I never we, actually. We represented Bodie. Oh, you did? Yeah, because yeah. uh, back in the day, the agent that I worked for had represented Edward James almost. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was a long time ago. I think that might have been like Miami Vice days when okay. they were a much bigger agency. And so they, they took on Bodie kind of as a favor, I think, at first. But mm -hmm. yeah, I never met him. He never came into the office, but he was one of our clients. Yeah, I used to, like, I went, it was some years ago, and I, I went to, like, this WGA talk, and I just remember he was there. And then, um, and I was like, oh, that's hot dog, that's cool. And then that, you know, whatever, that kind of made sense. But then I used, you know, I used to do a lot of triathlons, and he was doing them, too, and so, you know, I'd see him around. Oh, I, I cool. never really, like, yeah, I never really talked to him, but, um, but then, um, yeah, and then, you know, and I, I, at I'm I'm obsessed with Doctor Who, and I'm listening to the soundtrack, and then I meet Murray Gold, and I become <laughs> like his. You know, it's like I'm not really obsessed with anything right now. Um, I've always been obsessed with Eva Mendez. I haven't met her, so <laughs> I, yeah, she's not really doing much though. <laughs> she's just she's just being a mom and having a relationship yeah. with the baby goose. But yeah, so I just it's it's just it's weird to me how that happened. Or like I was like really obsessed with um that season two of um Star Trek Discovery, and then I um went to something and I met Doug Jones, and it was oh, like yeah, oh, this is, yeah, it's so weird. I got to talk to him, tell him how much I loved it. He's the, he's the sweetest, nicest human being yeah, you'll ever meet. Yeah, it seems like it. I used to be obsessed with uh, Ugly Betty, and kind of became <laughs> friends with became friends with America for her. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Yeah, that 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 was never my experience. Like I I was at a karaoke bar and um hit it off with Craig Robinson once. Yeah. I used to see him too all over the place. Yeah. All over LA. Like everywhere. I would see him <laughs> everywhere. That's so weird. Yeah, we like exchanged phone numbers and talked later on that night, but we were both like wasted. I just remember the conversation uh -huh. was absurd. I was like sitting outside <laughs> of the bar talking to him about turtles or something. I don't even know. Like uh -huh. I was so drunk. Um but yeah, I didn't really I didn't befriend any celebrities and most of the other than Lord of the Rings, like I did manage to meet quite a few people from Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Um every everybody else, like like I worked at a coffee bean and on a day I wasn't there, Matthew Perry came in. And oh. that like bummed me out that I didn't get to meet Matthew Perry. Mm. Um it was stuff like that. Like 
I saw people that I liked all over the place, but I was always really conscious of like, I'm not going to go up and bother them. They are just a person. But if yeah. I was working retail, then I would have a conversation because part of it was like my job. I have to talk to you. But also like if I'm talking to you, then I'm going to tell you I'm a fan if I'm a fan. Right. You know, like I met Jack Black and I was expecting him to be like all skippity-doo the way he is all the time, like when he's on. <laughs> but he was just so like mellow and really, really nice. I was really impressed by him. Um, yeah, I met. I worked a lot of retail when I lived there for a while, so I met a lot of people. Um, but then when I was actually working in the industry, ironically, I, I met far fewer people, even though I was like re representing mm people i didn't really meet most of them i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you one more story but and it's a little gossipy <laughs> <laughs> no it's not i mean it's it's this is from 2013 but i i was uh like uh, you know where i live i see like i just kind of randomly see celebrities just walking around right um and I was, I think I was getting, I, was, I had done, I was practicing something, riding my bike, and I was like loading my bike back in my car, and Jennifer Garner comes walking down the street with this, some guy, it looked like he was like a trainer or something. So not bad. And yeah, well, here, like, so they were talking, right? And I looked at her, and she, it looked like she was like telling him a story, and she did not look happy. And I totally, like, almost out loud said, uh, her and Ben aren't doing well. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. It's nothing that I ever like. I didn't go around in my life thinking about them or anything. Mm -hmm. And I think at that time they seemed pretty solid. But he, I think it was at that time he was out in Chicago or whatever, wherever they filmed uh, Batman v Superman. And uh, yeah, I just remember that. And then like a few months later, like they broke up, and I was like, I was like "Damn, they actually, like, she actually probably was talking." <laughs> yeah. See, I was always on the lookout for Ben Affleck or Matt Damon. Like, yeah. anytime I went anywhere, I was just like, I wanted to meet both of them so badly, and I never did. I do want to meet. I do want to meet Ben Affleck. Um, I love because him. Because I've been, I've been a fan ever since he was on Voyage of the Mimi back in. <laughs> I think we talked about that. That's absurd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do. I, that's what, that's the first time I, like, I used to love that show. And that was, you know, C.T. Granville. And, you know, like, I got, when I. He was getting older. I was like, I, I know that guy. He's the he's the kid on Voyage <laughs> of the Mimi. So if I ever meet him, I want to be like, hey. <laughs> He'll probably tell me, I hated that show. I had a terrible time. They exploited me. That's probably what he'd say. Nah, I don't think so. He was like, I don't think 14. so either. Anyway, good good talk, good stories. Because <laughs> it's gonna get really dark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so uh, occupation. One of the things, uh, like this, this episode really, like tonally sets a vibe for the whole season. Mm -hmm. Like when I, like when I kind of think about seasons one and two, they're a little brighter. Like even just like color palette, you know. Yeah. Um, and this one, you know, especially the new Caprica episode is darker. But even like you, as we go through the rest of the season, it just feels. Um, more drab, but not like downer. Like how do I say it? It's like just like the color palette's just a little bit more muted or something. Um, 
that kind of matches the tone um, because they definitely are on the ropes for most of the season. <laughs> well, this planet, like more so. this planet, like doesn't seem to ever have any sunshine that we've yeah. seen, and yeah. I don't know how they grow anything. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Baltar, because he's terrible, mm-hmm. did say that they only he only thinks that they would be able to sustain that for a few years. So he, even he knew. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. He's, that is the worst. Yep. Um, so, yeah, we, uh, so we, the opening of this episode, um, we have, we have another opening montage and I never noticed how many episodes <laughs> until we've been doing this podcast have like an like sort of like an opening montage that jumps back and forth between different scenes. I just, I just never really noticed it before, but now it's like like almost every episode I do has one. Um, and in the commentary, actually, uh, Ronald Moore talks about that. He kind of says that he he kind of writes that way. Um, it's it is a good way to get all of the information to set you up in the opening. But I'm, you know, I'm kind of used to, I mean, other shows don't necessarily do that. Right. Um, when you watch star Trek and you kind of sit on one little scene that opens up everything one or two, but it does. I think he says he writes it that way because it keeps you a little off balance. And he, as you jump back to a scene, it reveals a little bit more and more, which is what happens when we see, like, first we see, like, Ellen um, having sex. And you, I think you kind of assume it's Ellen, but you don't know who the other person is right away. Right. Ty is in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, n- n- he's n- Now he's Ty without his eye. Um, Ty with one eye. Ty with one eye, Yeah. <laughs> I actually started calling him in this episode. This is the introduction of Krusty Sea Captain. <laughs> <laughs> but I never thought of that before. I'm like, yeah, he's like this crusty old sea guy, sailor. <laughs> he could be like Popeye's dad or something. So yeah, she, Ellen is, <laughs> in my notes I wrote, Ellen is banging Cavill. Um <laughs> He Cavill can barely walk after it's done, so mm-hmm. Ellen must have Ellen must have skills. Uh, Rosalind is reading um, scriptures and praying, and um, back on the Galactica, Adama's working on a plan to free, uh, I guess, to free the people of New Caprica. Um, he's very frustrated. Um, he doesn't know his plan's going to work. It's going to be one of the most amazing plans <laughs> ever. And I can't wait to talk about it. Oh my God. Um, but, <laughs> oh God, I would watch that scene over and over again. I listened to the music for it. It just, it's so good. Yeah. We would not, we could not stop talking about it. <laughs> for, I would watch that clip years later, just that clip. Uh, anyways, let me slow down. Let me back up. Um, so we see Tyrrell and Anders, um, and they're like arming a bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Starbuck is in some room, and she's like kind of preparing a table for dinner. Jumping back to Ty, um, Cavill enters Ty's cell, and and then Cavill's like toying with them a bit. Um, he tells he tells Ty like Ty had been putting these little hash marks on the wall, mm-hmm. and um, 
Cavill comes, like when Cavill comes in, he kind of laughs at him and he's like, yeah, we've been, you know, the, the, we've been changing those hash marks every time you clear the cell. Um, so he's been using those to keep count of days. Yeah. Then it kind of takes a turn and um, Cavill, you know, Cavill tells them that they reviewed Ty's case um, and then he gets up and walks out and leaves the door open and Ty kind of like a little off balance. He looks and sees the door and then Cavill pops his head back in and Ty like turns away real quick. Kind of like indicative of how like abused Ty has been. Yeah. Um, but Cavill pops his head back out and he says, uh, come on, you got to go. We got to get you processed. Um, bureaucracy must be served. <laughs> so he's getting released. Um, we see from the sequence with Ellen and um, Cavill, like the other Cavill, um, they were having sex because she um, had sex with him and or had sex. <laughs> she had sex with her son in order. To... <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not even with that yet. Uh, to, in order to, <laughs> in order to, uh, you know, kind of like quid pro quo i guess yeah. release release uh release tie so she has this big like bruise welt on her face yeah um so you th- the indication is that she's been hit mm-hmm. do you do you agree is that what you think I had never actually really thought about it. I always, I've always noticed it, but it didn't. I, my brain never went past like what happened. It's sort of like specifically, it just sort of like that's the world they live in. So I don't know, but that makes sense. Yeah, because they never address it. Yeah, and there was only one deleted scene for this episode. So, and that wasn't it, and it didn't discuss that. Yeah. So, yeah. So in uh, back in. Um, the room with uh, Leobin and Starbuck. Um, Leobin enters and he has like these bowls of food, and it's a get interesting because you can hear ships flying overhead, also, which is a little tied to the scene. Uh, some elements that are coming up later. He's like, we got beans, greens, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, rams, hot dogs, hams. Um, this a little TikTok thing. Um, I was- but he thank you because i had <laughs> yeah. no idea what you just referenced <laughs> when he says he says he's like i've got potatoes gravy even some carrots and my brain immediately went to that green beans green tomatoes but anyways so he um it's very it's like this real it's this uh weird surreal scene um it's like like in a horror movie when um people are dressing up nice like a stepford wives or something mm-hmm. like that vibes He's trying to have this dinner <laughs> with her. Um, so he prays over and blesses the food. Um, and then he starts to cut this like steak or whatever it is. And then um, Starbuck, she actually kind of has these uh, silver chopsticks that she kind of. No, not yet. Like, Because first well, she's like just sitting there looking at him and she's like, I need a knife. But she, we don't know about the. I think it's a tuning fork, and we don't know about that yet. Well, yeah. So I, in the in the commentary, because I never knew what it was, <laughs> like until I watched the commentary, and he, uh, Ron Ron Moore calls them chopsticks. Really? So it looks yeah. just like a tuning yeah. fork. Yeah, I mean, I don't. That's what he said. So I mean, it could be a tuning fork. I don't know. Because it, it it wasn't. I mean, chopsticks too. Like they're not sharp. 
Like she really had to work hard to do what she did. Well, they're yeah, they're metal. Yeah. So maybe they were just metal chopsticks. I don't know. But yeah, like she's like, I need a knife, and he walks over and cuts her steak for her like a child, and she just like looks up at him all innocently and thanks him. Mm-hmm. And then when we come back to them is when she like grabs these chopsticks or whatever from under her seat and like stabs him through the neck with it. Yeah. Like what I what I was saying is like we she doesn't she doesn't pull them out yet, but there's like a there's like a little glimpse that she's kind of holding them. Um, oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Cuz um, every single time I forget what she stabs him with and I always think it's the fork because she was sort mm-hmm. of like you know, testing the fork a little bit when she was setting the table. Right. Yeah, cuz they're trying to like cuz you know, you're you're watching the sequence and obviously you think something with the knife and so you think that's what she would use but um there's something else going on there so crusty sailor saul gets released from prison and ellen is very happy to see him mm-hmm. um and back in the little deal with uh tyrell and um anders they arm the bomb and then they're hiding and then a cylon raider lands it's like again those you know you hear all the jets or whatever the things flying overhead with Leobin and there's Cylon's exit you see like eights and sixes and some centurions I think it was actually Boomer and Caprica you think so because Boomer has her hair yeah I think so because Boomer when we see them next Boomer's hair is pulled back in the same way and I believe it's the same jacket I think they waited for those two to get out and then set it off hmm I don't know. Um, I just assumed everybody there died or, you know, got blown up. Um, but it blows up. Mm-hmm. And they are very happy. Woohoo! And they uh, take off and flee. Uh, Leobin is in, yeah, he's in that room and he sees the explosion and he remarks about the, you know, the insurrectionists, whatever. Fracking kind of insurgents, stop. he says. Yeah, yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, you know that whole sequence. He tells he tells her he tells uh, Starbuck that she looks lovely tonight, um, and then she ends up stabbing him in the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, he's bleeding on the floor, and she like she really gets into she starts stabbing him repeatedly. Um, and he as he's dying, he says, "I'll see you soon, Kara." And then she says, "Take your time." She wipes her hands, uh, the blood off her hands, and um, at the mu- there's music playing. I think it's um, uh, the shape of things to come music and um she starts cutting the steak and eating it very deliberately and kind of she seems very pleased uh, like you know a little mischievous i think i i noted that she does it very primly with her very bloody hands she like dabs the sides of her mouth with her napkin like she's just being very proper (laughs) yeah but she's all bloody i was trying i was always trying to read that scene like what was she doing? And I, this time I just decided that she was being kind of like, yeah, she was, she was acting prim and proper as like a, as a troll kind of, mm-hmm. even though Leo Ben is actually gone. But, um, so anyways, we, uh, we jumped to, let's see, after the opening credits, we jumped to, 
um, the, the voiceover of Rosalind's writing in her journal, and she's kind of giving us a breakdown of like what's been happening. So since the season finale, um, it's been 134 days. Um, so it's been uh, so it's been 134 days of the occupation. So that's a little bit like a tad over four months since the Galactica left. Um, she kind of gets up to speed. Uh, she's there's a you know you note that she's writing on she says Mars Day, mm-hmm. and I like do do have they ever mentioned a day in the show before? No. Like days. Yeah, I think that's like the first time, really, right? Yeah. Um, that's one thing that bothered me about Fellowship of the Ring when uh, Gandalf was like, "It's a." October third, a, a Tuesday or whatever he says. I'm like, it took me out of the, it took me out of the movie actually. When he's when reading he over that. the scrolls. Uh, yeah, when he like when uh, after when Fro- uh, Frodo wakes up that first time after he gets stabbed at Weathertop. Oh. And uh, and he he gets taken by uh, what's his name Arwen, and he wakes up in Rivendell. Yeah. And yeah, Gandalf's sitting there, and he says that. It always like bothered me because I'm like, <laughs> it's Wednesday, <laughs> whatever day he says. Um, so I like that she says Mars Day, and obviously that's um, that can be translated into Monday. I took that as it's like a specific, like maybe holiday or Holo- yeah. like a holiday. Yeah, 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 yeah. It could be that too, for sure. Um, she she remarks that it seems appropriate to, for that day to honor the god of war. I'm, she doesn't mean Kratos, I'm sure, um, because they it's uh, they she says it feels like they're in a perpetual war, and she says it's the only realistic prospect for us. Um, and she talks a little bit about the insurgency and that it seems hopeless. She says, but. It does seem to be giving them a boost of morale, and she thinks that they do need to hit a high-profile target to really make some headway, which we will we're going to see about that. And she Um, mentions that Baltar functions in name only. Yeah, um, well, Baltar. (laughs) So the very next scene, we get a glimpse into that, right? So we have um, a three, Lucy Lawless, and she's like walking over to Colonial One. Um, inside, we see the Cylons are like debating the purpose of why they're there. So it's uh, it's Doral, um, Six, Sharon, and um, do we call her Deanna or just like a three? I don't know if it's the same, like that same mm-hmm. version. <sighs> I don't know if she's the same Deanna that was on the Galactica or if she's the one that was on Caprica. Um, I guess for these purposes, we would call her three, but I always end up calling her Deanna. Yeah. I just, it's the, I only thought about it, like, again, I, I'm thinking about a lot of things for the first time, and I was like, yeah, is, it, do we, is she like a, a random three or is she Lucy? Is it like, because the, the, the Deanna from a little bit later in the show that gets really involved in like trying to figure out the final five is that like the same model that's from this one, whichever this one, one yeah, this one it... is. Well, actually, I don't right. know if it's this one 
Uh, maybe it is. This one is the one that gets blown up at the end. Yeah. But so, they resurrect, yeah. so... Yeah. Uh, while all this is happening, Baltar's <laughs> sitting at his desk, and he's just, like, he's just, like, distant and unaffected, or... Like, I, I just kind of was like, what could you be doing at this moment? You know what I mean? Like, what could you be involved in that you're not paying attention, really, to what these people are talking about? And he starts to pay attention when Cavill says that maybe they should employ more fear to bring the people the word of God. And to do that, maybe we should start by executing Baltar. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as soon all, as his life is on the line, he then up. he's like, oh, yeah. what? What? <laughs> Otherwise, he's like fucking catatonic. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, six steps up for him. That that's not going to happen. Uh, Dural um, makes a good point and, and kind of lets us know, you know, the deal with uh, Baltar in terms of his perception with the people. And he says that, uh, you know, that might have worked like if we killed him right away, but it's too late now because uh, the most most of the people actually view him as a traitor. So it won't have the same like effect that, you know, that it would have had, at least in, in terms of like making the people be fearful. Yeah, well, he says they would cheer his death. Cowell wants to start rounding up the people and executing the humans to stop the insurgency. He, you know, kind of says lower to a more manageable size, he says, maybe to like a thousand, which is kind of that's like crazy considering there's, what, 40, 30, however many people are left. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, six, the six and the eight, they, you know, they want to stop being butchers mm-hmm. uh, of the people they, and their whole thing is they want to find a new way of life right right where they can coexist together and not be like they're going about it the wrong way if that's what they want which i think is the frustration that boomer and caprica feels that they didn't want to come here and occupy these people mm-hmm. they wanted to come and integrate but they're clearly outnumbered how else are you going to bring democracy to the people? You got to win their hearts and minds. Well, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'd have to ask Dick Cheney. <laughs> um, anyways, they they exit. Um, but Deanna um, kind of pulls six aside and asks if all of this is really worth. Uh, she's like worth risking everything for the love of Baltar. And six says, uh, if you knew what. If you knew about love, you wouldn't be asking that. I feel like this might be setting up a little bit about, because uh, doesn't Deanna starts to go down a particular path a little bit? Yeah, but it's... Not about love, but... Not in... More about... Yeah, but she episode. just... she, Yeah, but she get in the next episode, but she gets a little, she, I don't know, curious about things. So uh, we get back to Rosalyn, and we're back to her journaling. <laughs> She's... She starts talking about, like, the human police and basically how just whack they are. Um, we get a really cool, it's like a very French new wave shot of Jammer putting his uh, hat on and turning around. It's, like, kind of faded out in the background. So it's very dramatic. Um, but she, as she's talking about how, um, you know, they, you know, we could know, some of these people could actually be people we know, but we don't know who they are. So, yeah. Um, yeah, and she talks about how hundreds of people have been rounded up and tortured, and actually some of those people have disappeared. It's very, you know, 
this has happened over the course of like humankind, but my brain actually goes back to uh, like the coup in Chile. Is it Chile with the Allende? And just remembering hearing stories, I think there was a movie called Missing. There's like um, like a journalist or something that gets uh, just disappeared in the middle of the night. And as the movie plays out, as uh, the her wife, I think it was Sissy Spacek, and the father, who is, I forget who the father is, um, but they try to find out what happened to him, and you start to get tidbits of li- li- little events, and all these people that were dissidents or whatever just kind of get rounded up, and they were, like, executed, and I think he was, like, put in, like, a cemented in a wall or something. I could be making that up, but it's pretty brutal, mm. right? So that idea of people disappearing um, in the middle of the night, just kind of, you know, yeah, it's dark. Yeah. It's very dark. This is where we learn that there is a source within Baltar's organization, but they don't know who it is. And then we see the setup for this process. We don't, we still don't see who it is yet. Mm-hmm. But it's this whole de- deal with flipping over a dog bowl and then mm-hmm. putting some information in a toolbox drawer. And then yeah. Chief comes and checks if the bowl is upside down, then he knows to check, which is a good system. It's very under the radar for sure, like a dog bowl. No one's going to pay attention to that. Super high tech. <laughs> well, like... <laughs> Yeah, like I love watching old spy movies or things that take place like pre-internet, pre-cell phones, not necessarily pre-technology, but like pre-hour technology where things like dead drops and, you know, like the Americans. Do you ever watch the Americans? Mm -hmm. I loved all of their like spycraft because it's so dependent on like leaving messages places and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I just think that's really cool. It took me forever to really like to understand what the system was because I'm not too smart. <laughs> <laughs> I think I I think I never really again, I never really thought about it. I just like I saw the mechanism of it, right? It was like kick the dog bowl over or whatever and then like and maybe I just wasn't paying attention. But this time I'm watching it, I'm like, oh, that's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh. Um, I still wonder how, like, how they first kind of like got that started, though. I do wonder that, like, well, yeah, considering that they don't know who it is, like, how did yeah. unless like unless it started out? See, this is where a webisode would have been good. How mm-hmm. how it started out? Like, did Gata start leaving them like messages, and then right. they like you know, left messages back and forth to set it up without yeah. like revealing himself. Cause obviously he does not reveal himself until much later. Um, much, much later. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I understand why he would need to protect himself and not, you know, be open about having any contact with them for his own safety and for their safety, because he yeah. is around the Cylon so much now. That he has to mm-hmm. be really, really covert, and he what he's doing is very dangerous. Yeah. See, this yeah, is I mean, this yeah. is why 
his whole <laughs> mutiny later breaks my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, where we see uh, that, I think, Collaborators episode, like, we see where he, like, you know, we see what's going on with him there, and like, woo, and then he ends up, like, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not terribly in love with, you know, where, what he ends, where he ends up, because, but a lot of that's because, you know, like, we like Jada, right? Yeah. Um, Like, I understand later why he's so mad. I totally yeah. get it. I totally get it. Yeah. But this is also why when I thought he was one of the final five, it made the most sense to me mm-hmm. because of this stuff, because the other ones are all involved in the resistance and he was very key in the resistance. They just didn't mm-hmm. know it. And that's why I thought that it made the most sense for it to be Gata. Did you, we're going off a little off track, but I need to ask this question. Did you, when, so when you were contemplating who the final five were, did you like surmise that it was people involved with the resistance or like how to, okay. Yes, because the other four were the ringleaders of the resistance. No, I'm talking about before it was revealed. Oh, no, no, no. Like. I had okay. I had no okay. theories about anything before the final five were revealed. So when they were revealed, uh-huh. or the four of the final five were revealed, I was like mind blown, like couldn't function. Yeah. And then yeah. I had a whole long time to think about who the final person was. Yeah. And oh, okay. And I had the theory that it was Gaeta, based on all of the stuff he did here in on New Caprica. I mean, I think I thought it was, I I think I thought it was like Starbuck, maybe. I did uh, not think it was Starbuck. Like 100% did not think it was Starbuck. Yeah. I said maybe because I actually honestly don't know what I was thinking. I thought about this so much that it's like still really clear in my head how intensely I was like, I've got this figured out. It's Gata. Mm-hmm. I was sure. <laughs> And then when it wasn't, only... I was like, I, what the fuck is the point of this? And now I understand. Like, I, I trust them. They explained it all yeah. to me. But I thought I had a better idea. Yeah. I don't really, like, when I'm watching a show like this, I don't really spend a lot of time with theories or even, like, even, even in my own brain, I don't spend a lot of time, like, trying to figure things out. I'm more, if I really like the show, but like I really like the show, I show up and I let them take me where they're gonna take Same. me. Same. But it's not that it's not that my brain doesn't like I obviously I have thoughts, right? But it's like I don't really contemplate them. Um and I only bring that up because I was really invested in trying to figure out who um the true king of uh <laughs> The son of whoever the Westeros was, oh. <laughs> which was like indicative of how over the show I was, because I actually I thought it was a uh, God God Godry God was it was that his name? Uh, um, Gedry. Gedry, yeah. I, I I was like I was so sure it was he was like, well, whoever I'm gonna be the king, um, because he, it, but again I like. I didn't care you about mean, the show like, so much. Who that I actually thought be about it. on the Iron Throne at the end. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And because I was just like, I started to think about it, and I realized that he was like his arc was sort of like King Arthur, hmm. and um, and like to the fact that he was like a blacksmith, and 
he was the bastard son of the king that was kind of like a, well, he definitely a was a Baratheon. contender he, that's why Mar- he was melisandre wanted to kill him right yeah but i'm saying but i'm saying that he was like arthur like king mm-hmm. arthur so i was like this that i was like so i was so sure look maybe know? if george but, ever finishes those books that is where it will end up we don't know <laughs> yeah but i mean i was so sure whereas when i watched like this show or whatever any other show that i really like i don't have i don't i'm just like no i because anything i come up with is it's probably not going to be true and it'll make me like it'll make my enjoyment of the show less right because it's not what i had fantasized about and i think that actually is something that happened to like some battlestar galactica fans because they spent a lot of the last season trying to come up with these theories of like you know in particular about starbuck um and I remember, I think we t- talked about it before, and we'll get to it a little bit later. They just like dropped a name in for like that the seven model <laughs> and uh, Daniel or whatever, mm-hmm. and like it was like all these people they were coming up with all these things. And they thought he's going to show up, and even Ron Moore was just like, "No, nah, I just like I just put the name in, like you know, like." And but I, you know, people kind of do that, right? I mean, that happened with a segment of people with Lost, you know, quite a huge and- segment of people with Lost. Yeah, yeah. But again, like Lost, that was a show that I never I never really did that with Lost. I I just was pretty sure that they didn't know what they were doing. So I never tried to figure <laughs> it out, which was true. Litigate that, yeah, but I don't <laughs> <laughs> Well they didn't. They didn't I'm said not they didn't. But anyway. Going to debate it. Um <laughs> I tend to watch things and try not to theorize because my theories are generally wrong. Um but also yeah. I want I want to experience the story as it's being told to me. And I know mm-hmm. if it's good enough, I'm going to trust that the people behind the scenes, the, you know, showrunners and the produ- the producers, the writers, they're all going to tell me exactly the story they want to tell me. Right. And so theorizing, I do, I understand what you're saying. Like it can ruin the experience for you because if you get so hung up on your own idea, your own headcanon, and that is not Mm -hmm. what is happening, then you're disappointed or you're mad or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I sat around thinking about this because I, I really thought I had, I was onto something. And when Mm -hmm. I was wrong, I wasn't mad at the show. I, I wasn't, I wasn't upset. I was confused at the choice. But then as it went on, I understood their choice. So mm-hmm. I came around to it. Whereas, like, I just recently, last week, watched all of Midnight Mass, which I really enjoyed. But I figured out every damn thing in that show. Well, that's why I hated it. <laughs> I didn't understand why people liked it. I liked like, it because the, first... the performances were great. And it was the compelling. first. Oh, God. Sorry. I'm sorry. You're about to get me on a midnight man. I don't I don't want to get you on a midnight mass rant. I know you didn't like it. my biggest. My biggest thing was this is why you knew everything that was going to happen was because in the first episode, everyone is wearing like like really bad old people makeup. Like mm, I didn't know. Yeah, I didn't notice. That. I did. I did. It was the first thing because I was watching it, and but I was like kind of casually watching it, so it wasn't like. And then after a while, I was like, "Are they wearing old people makeup?" 
And I actually, I even made like a, a like in the moment Facebook post about it, you know, because I make all my jokes or whatever. And I made that, I was kind of being glib, but as it, but then it actually was the case. And I just was like, like there was like, you, you like it was so obvious what was going on and they didn't have that reveal till later. It just, ah, oh, I hate that show. I hate it so much. Anyways, well, everyone loves it. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> Even though I figured everything out, I wasn't mad about it. I was like, wow, like I don't normally I I, because I don't do a lot of theorizing. So I was so invested. I mean, I watched the show over two days. And so for those two days, it's like all I thought about was like, what's going to happen next? And I I had an idea like, oh, I think it's this maybe. And then when it ended up being Mm -hmm. that, I was like. I shouldn't be able to figure things out. I never figure things out. So this must be just really obvious. And that's kind of how I feel about when I can figure things out. Because I'm not saying I'm dumb. I'm not. But I don't don't actively try to guess. I want to be shown. I want to just kind of experience the thing. And with this, while I was experiencing it, I was like, oh, my God, what if this? And oh, wait, and then what if this? And like all those things were exactly what happened. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I still really I still really enjoyed it. And I thought Zach Guilford was incredible in it. And Michael Trucco should never, ever look that boring. And (laughs) and Raul Coley was fantastic and Katie Siegel was great. Like, I just, I really liked it. I just, it, it, it's not going to be my favorite of the Mike Flanagan things. That's still the House of Usher, for sure. I mean, I love Zach Gilford. All he did was lay in a boat and be depressed. No, like, I did, like, he had a scene. Somebody, oh, he had a scene with somebody. the priest where he was just, he had this whole monologue, and I was like, holy shit, Zach Gilford. Oh my God. <laughs> So Somebody good. was like, "You should love it. You're depressed all the time." <laughs> I mean, I was, he was like, "I was, he was definitely depressed," but he like, <laughs> I disagree. I think I think he gave like a Friday Night Lights level of performance in that in that show. Yeah, may may really though. My main thing was literally it was like obvious to me that it was like old people. There was like a bunch of actors with old people I makeup, didn't, other, and they were other doing than Henry and the, what's his face. Um, Elliot they, from E.T. Other than him, I didn't notice that they'd... Because I didn't know the actors, so I didn't know they'd aged them. Yeah, there was a... I forget the... Well, there was a one actress, I can't remember her name. Um, but yeah, there was like... Uh, uh, there was... Yeah, and they were doing the old people acting, too. It's like, you know, when they put you in old people makeup and then you do old people acting? Um, I just was like... I was like, wait a minute, what's... And then as soon as I kind of realized that that's what was going on, then I just, like, I knew what was going on. And it wasn't me thinking. I wasn't like, I got to figure this out. It just was like, it was just painfully obvious. And then I had to, like, suffer through, like, five more episodes while they tried to, like, make it all (laughs) mysterious. And I'm like... And I felt... I felt... I felt insulted by the makeup. I really did. (laughs) It was, like, literally, like, three characters. Like, I don't know. Why yes, so bad about it doesn't. It, it, because it was it. It's what the whole thing hinged on, though. Like, if you have you have like I forget the actress's name right now, 
Um, but she's like a note, noteworthy actress. And it was like obvious she was wearing old people makeup. And so I'm like, well, she has to like feature in this somehow. So it's, it's something has like something has to be happening with her, you know? And uh, yeah, that, that's I mean, that's I mean, it is what it is. But that's kind of what pulled me out from the very beginning. And I'm not trying to say that I I'm super clever. And I, I it was just an observation visually. I just was like. Like, what are they, these people doing? Because, like, you know, like I said, I'm not very smart. So I can't really figure many things out. So I don't know. But it just was, like, it was really bad. But let's talk about Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> yeah, we're way off track. <laughs> we, are, we, are, we are so off track that we basically landed on New Caprica when we should be heading for Earth. Yeah. Actually, yeah. We uh, we lost our way. <laughs> I actually had an observation that this uh, this whole new Caprica thing is kind of like um, kind of like summer vacation for the Galactica. There was like uh, they were on their way and they all took a break and they all went their separate ways. Um, and then they're going to try to get back together a little bit later. But anyway, we are. Um, where are we? <laughs> uh, we have a quick scene with Callie and Chief and the baby, and he says he'll be back oh, in a okay. few hours, and she says that she worries yeah. that one day he won't come back, and she'll never see him again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get a little meeting of the, the three musketeers. Down in the dungeon, yeah. So three Cylons walk into a bar. Oh my gosh. Walk into a bunker. We do not know that they're Cylons. <laughs> no, we don't. But it's a you know, like looking back, it you know, it's yeah. like oh, the story of them. Like again, like you know, with the, the direction that it ends up taking, like a lot of it, and like from like what you were saying with your observation about how they were all like in you know part of the resistance, it all makes sense. I mean, even the you know Ellen, she was. Mm -hmm. Um, adjacent to it um yeah so this is where uh ty ty comes in he's got a shovel as a cane and he tells them like he's like look i'm just gonna tell you the eye is gone they they <laughs> pulled it out showed it to me it was like a hard-boiled egg this is like this is like peak ty act like so when this show was like when this was on and you know me and my friends were talking like this was I think the 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 era of like the most quotes that we had from <laughs> Ty because <laughs> he just was so like it was like a hard boiled egg you know yeah this <laughs> is when I scene. realized what an incredible actor Michael Hogan is because he does oh, yeah. more with one eye than most actors do with their entire bodies. And this is not throwing shade at Jamie Bamber, who is covered in makeup. <laughs> Fat suit, oh, we were getting, makeup. We are going to get to that. We are going to get to that. Michael Hogan <laughs> acts circles around what Bamber is able to get out through all that makeup. Like, I... Whatever about how he looks and the choices they made to, I get it, but I don't think that Jamie Bamber as an actor could sort of emote his way through it. Here. Where we've got Michael Hogan with a patch on his face, not even a patch yet, like bandage on his face, like just wiping up the floor with everyone. Here. He's Here. so excellent. Yeah. He's so good. Yeah. The crusty sea tie. 
He's uh he's uh walking around his his shovel cane. Hey, <laughs> mateys. Yeah, um, and like I also love that he's just like big boom today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he asks him, "What's the next target?" <laughs> let's he's like, "Let's do this." Um so then, you know, they the the message that Tyrrell had pulled earlier um from the the drawer was about the new Caprica police graduation. So they he's like says that's their next target. Um Ty actually like, where 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 did you get this from? That looks like it's right out of the ministry files and Chief's like, I don't know. Um but he also says it's probably safer we all like it's probably safer for all of us yeah. that we don't um that we don't know who they are and whatever. Um and he he you know, he just he remarks that they've been getting stuff for weeks. Um and Anyways, in that, um, he notes that Baltar will be at the graduation, and uh, Tyrrell says it'll be, you know, tough avoiding casualties. Ty is very, very excited Mm -hmm. that Baltar (laughs) is going to be there, and he's like, let's stick it to him. You know, he's he's all getting into it. Uh, You know, Tyrrell doesn't, like, Tyrrell's like, hey, you know, I want to avoid casualties. Ty's like, no. It's uh, adamant to not avoid them. Like, basically, basically, he's like, screw them. Um, yeah, they want to hit hit them where it hurts. First of all, these are a bunch of people who are traitors to their, to the humans by becoming, Mm -hmm. you know, basically uh, not the SS, but like becoming little soldiers for the Cylons. And yeah, so, and there will be a lot of Cylons there and now Baltar would be there. Anders is not on board with this. Not really. Um, and he also doesn't think yeah, that there's he's... a raptor up there, like because yeah. Chief says that they check the frequency every day, but the Cylons are jamming their signal, and their um, contact has not been able to give them uh, a frequency that works. Right. Yeah. So they. Yeah. So you know, he they bring that up, um, and Anders, he he he. I know you're gonna get mad at me. But he he gets like he gets mad at it. Like Ty is like um, he says that yeah the Raptors there the old man would never leave us right and that was the plan um, and he's like Adama wouldn't do that and Anders is like well like uh, Adama left me and and I'm like no actually your wife left you <laughs> well I think he um, means he that like Adama like here's this battle star who never came back. Listen, I know what he means, but effectively, <laughs> effectively, she left him. Yes. And it's true that she had to, like, you know, kind of, like, you know, be a bug in, in uh, Adama's ear to have have him to agree to have a mission go back. But effectively, she left him and they did come back. So, like, you should direct your ire to Carathrace and not... Uh- William Adama. Kara came back. The Galactica still never went back. He's not wrong about that. Well, he, you, no, I was saying, like, he was right that, like, she, like, she said, like, she had, she convinced him to go back, but she, but Adama never left him, is what I'm saying. Like, he, it was a Kara that left him. I, and I think his emotions just, are very high because his wife has been yeah. missing for four months. Which Ty, like, but, Ty moves close to him is all menacing. And then he's just like, is there any word on Kara? And, yeah. and Anders says, no. Like, and, and they're like, they're talking about 
blowing up a bunch of people, too. I mean, yes, I'm defending mm-hmm. Anders, but also, like... Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm like. <laughs> it's like, you don't need to defend your man. I mean, I'm, I, I've got his, I, I've got his Like, back. I'm saying... Yeah, like, I fully understand the... It's a, it's complex. I'm not saying, you know, but I I know that, like, that's why Anders would be saying that, but I, I'm just kind of saying it was like... It wasn't, a, it wasn't like Adama was on caprica and had like and then like just left him behind it, the way he the way he says it that's kind of kind of how it sounds i'm just saying it's yeah. actually it's actually your wife that left you and it just took a little bit longer to come back than like you would have liked whatever um but it's okay like they're married you gotta stand up for your stand up for your woman so then we go to kara yeah so Kara's sitting, uh, she's sitting in back in that room still, um, and the door opens. Uh, Leobin's basically like, hi, honey. Um, he remarks how he'll keep doing this over and over, and I guess it's been five times mm-hmm. now, um, that he, you know, you kill me, um, I download, they start over. Yeah, um, he, sa- uh, he says he's trying to keep, he's trying to help her see the truth of her life. Uh, he thinks he sees the truth of her life, and the reason why she suffered and struggled for so long. So there's like a purpose to all of that. Um, um, and she says that he's right and thanks him, but it's in that like placating kind of like, mm-hmm. you yeah, sure, sure Jan kind of thing. Um, and then kind of gets in close and <laughs> he stops her and tells her to put the knife down. <laughs> and you see, she's holding the knife that he had earlier when he died mm-hmm. um, and she drops it. And he says that he's patient and he's willing to wait. Um, you just need more time, he says. And she says, I don't need more fracking time. It's never going to happen. And he's like, of course it's going to happen. You're going to hold me in your arms. You're going to embrace me. You're going to tell me that you love me. I've seen it. He's delusional. It happens, though, doesn't it? Does it? I think it does. I think it's a dream that she has. It was all a dream. I used to read New Caprica magazine. When she, so when she's, she's, it's a dream. Like when she starts, like she starts having the dreams about the painting and everything, and she has a dream about him, but she never actually tells him that she loves him. Even, even after, like they. We'll get there, but even after they find Earth and she, it's revealed that like her viper is burnt, and he like freaks out. Like even after that, like yeah, mm-hmm. she never tells him she loves him. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, you've seen, you've watched it. I haven't watched those episodes yet, but I could swear something very close to this happens in a few episodes. But we'll see. Um. Maybe you're right. I mean, she... I rewatched them pretty quickly, and a lot of stuff I'm paying more attention as we're doing them week to week. So, yeah. could be wrong, but I don't think I don't think what he envisions happens. Well, she says that he's insane. Mm-hmm. We know that, um, and then <laughs> kind of it's actually kind of clever. But he's you know he says uh, to know the face of God is to know madness, and good night. Um, and he says he's going to leave her with him. He's going to leave. I'm going to stay with you tonight, he says. And basically he's leaving her with his old body, mm-hmm. um, in the room and 
he takes off. Um, and I kind of, I don't know if like she hears or senses that the door upstairs uh, is still open. I think she sees um, she it. Run, uh, she sees it. Yeah. She runs up the stairs and out the door, but then she runs into like this long hallway that's uh, caged off. And then she starts shouting, let me out. It's very like, it's like, you know, very creepy, surreal. Mm-hmm. That whole, this whole deal is weird. And, and apparently, um, I think, I think they say it when, um, when Ty um asks where Kara is they say like you know haven't seen her in four months yeah. so she's been in that situation for four months mm-hmm. I would like she probably should be way crazier than she's being yeah right it's psychological now. torture which kind of makes sense of how she what happens to her in the next couple episodes yeah how she and, falls like, for it yeah so sort of two things yeah I fell for it too so for two things, one is um, I noticed um, how this is sort of like the second time she's been captured by this island that held mm-hmm. like captive, but like in a different scenario than they capture other people. So it's like her, it's like her womanhood in the first time she's captured. And then as this, I don't know, strange avatar chosen one being the second time it's really interesting that she is the one that this happens to twice in um, that scenario and then number two um, this is the one deleted scene um, that they had where actually she goes and she's in the bathroom and she turns on the sink and fills it with water and she pulls out like a kind of like a shiv or something that she's made and she starts to cut her wrist and God. Um, Leo, yeah, Leo Bin comes in. He sees like the water from the sink um, spilling underneath the door, and he like kind of comes in and stops it. And he's like, "I, you know, I know what you're trying to do, whatever." So that, yeah, that was, you know, again, kind of showing like the depths that she actually. I'm actually glad that they cut that out because yeah. it doesn't. Um, it's funny because in that sequence, at first, I thought that when she pulled the shiv out, it was another one of her ways to try to kill Leobin. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it actually ended up just kind of showing that you know how much she was breaking. But I liked I liked the idea better of her being so um, you know um, you know heady about this. So it's not like I mean the the psychological stuff isn't necessarily working on her because she's so headstrong and she's still fighting back in her own way you know very very um cleverly yeah um so i'm very glad they cut that um so we are finally back to the galactica um and we see we're kind of in the midst of uh these vipers doing um trying to do a drill um adama's like walking around the hangar deck and it just, you know, very visually shows you how empty the entire ship is. It's like barely anybody on the hangar deck. There's like one one or two people there. Um, and the raptor that's in the bay looks like all rusty and crusty. And um, outside in space, uh, we see like Cat is the CAG and... Um, he and on and Hilo's in the CIC. He's the XO now of the Galactica, 
and um, they're trying to do some kind of maneuver. It's just actually really good plotting. Like you don't really realize it the first time you're watching, but we're going to see it being enacted later. But kind of like they're trying this plan. Cat's um, like break now. Mayhem ensues. Um, Hilo basically tells them to bring the birds back in. Um, Adama enters and wants them to do it again. Hilo kind of calmly challenges him 16 times sir and um adama's like next one will be 17 won't it <laughs> and then Hilo just kind of complies and then back over on pegasus um i'm gonna stop calling him fatly um and uh ron moore's wife actually called him stocky lee <laughs> so i'm <laughs> i actually kind of like that better and i feel like it's a little less like offensive yeah and um, he's not that fat yeah, I mean, it is what it is, whatever. But I like Stocky Lee better. Um, so she, you know, so Stocky Lee is on the Pegasus and he hears this conversation <laughs> over the wire. And he just kind of freaks out. What the fuck? What the frack? Um, he wants to, like, on the line, he kind of pushes back to Adama. He, um, Adama's like, Adama's like blowsing. Like, we don't, we don't ever see Adama like this, really, like to this point. I don't know. But he is basically like, if we can't do this training scenario now, how the hell are we supposed to pull this off with silent raiders on our asses? He says, huh, tell me. And Apollo's like, what the frack do you want from me? I don't know um, what to say. I don't know how we're supposed to do any of this crap at half strength. It's not what I want from the captain of Pegasus. Yeah. Yeah. He's very, he's very uh, not can do. He's, I can't, I can't attitude about everything. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later. While that's happening in space, I guess there's two uh, pilots, Muller and Bingo, are having a problem. Bingo s- gets stuck in like this flat lateral spin, like in Top Gun, I guess, um, when Goose dies. And then Cat, um, Cat must be a terrible CAG. Uh, <laughs> she she declares an emergency, requests priority landing for the two bent birds. She says, and Adamra uh, angrily like says, "Pull them in." Well, immediately they, after, like crash into each other or something. One of them lost a wing. The one who was in the yeah, spin, the... he lost a wing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like an emergency, and they need to in the in the training session. So, um, in Adama's quarters, Stocky Lee comes stomping in. He's just being whiny. I mean, <laughs> we so, can just uh... call him Lee. I, no, I want to call him Stocky Lee. <laughs> it's. Yeah, and, and, and partly because, and I'll get to this a little bit later in a scene, because um, you were talking about the acting, and there's there's something about his acting that's a little over the top about him playing this character, and I think you were what you were talking about. So it's almost like he's just he's so distinct, and he's not the same. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's not the same person. And it's really funny to me because, like, in a few episodes, like, when they get back and he's just, like, in the weight room with, with Hilo, and he's like, don't ever let that happen to me again. And, he, like, he's all ripped again. Yeah. Like, after an episode. And then he's back to he's back to Lee again. So it's like he's almost like a completely different person. It's like he's like uh, I don't know. Anyways. Well, I mean, D sort of gives it a, a good assessment of him later. Yeah. Yeah, no, she does, but it's it's it for me. It, it's more than that. So it's like the the bits about him being like 
soft and weak. And, you know, the emphasis is not on softness in terms of like his physicality, but so much, even though Adama does, you know, tell him to get his fast out ass out of there at a certain point, but it's just that he has lost his edge. Right. Yeah. So the whole like can can't do attitude that he has is the being soft and can't make those hard decisions. Like imagine if he was on new Caprica with, um, and with Ty and, Ty's like we need to blow people up and and Lee is being the way he is. Oh, he never. You know? If he had been there, he never would have been on board with that either. Yeah, yeah, but Lee wouldn't have been a resistance just, fighter. Not, yeah, not at all. He probably. I don't know. Who knows what Lee would have been doing? I don't know. I don't think he would have um, been like a New Caprica police. I don't think he would have you know been like Baltar just sitting back and letting things happen. But I think he would. He's so like law and order about things that he wouldn't mm-hmm. have been okay with blowing people up and blowing things up. Yeah, necessarily. But the Adama's basically like confronting Lee. You know, you just you know, get your get your act together, guy. Um, this is like basically he's like this is the what's happening is real and. He's had four months to get his act together, and he hasn't been able to. And it seems like he's actually, um, like, slipped more since they um, left. So it wasn't like that moment when the Cylons came that Lee, like, snapped out of whatever he had been going through for a year. He still, uh, four months later, has actually gotten worse. Um, and then Adama basically says, you know, if you, we need, if I need to find someone else to do it, I will. Yeah. Um, if you if you can't do it. Um, so on uh, back on New Caprica, there's the uh, Tyrrell. There's the a makeshift uh, pyramid court. I think we saw that at the end of season two. Um, so uh, Anders is playing against Duck and Tyrrell is over there talking with Ty and they're kind of ba- he's basically dis- discussing the ethics of the uh, like the impending at this point, mysterious suicide bombing. Like, we that's what's going to be happening, but we're still kind of in the dark as an audience about this. Um, Anders and Anders is kind of confronting Duck and he warns Duck not to back out. And Duck, you know, basically, Duck's like, I'm all in. He's he's still got that love for Nora. Um, he says he feels like, like ever since she died, he has nothing to live for. Um, I don't think that Duck should have beat Anders in that game. I feel like <laughs> I don't think I noticed that that Duck I did beat Anders. I did. I was like, <laughs> well, he got the last shot or whatever. He threw the threw the ball and the whatever. And I was like, I was like, Anders is supposed to be like this professional professional pyramid player. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, Anders. <laughs> Anders is like, tell, look in my eye and tell me you're committed. And like, Duck's committed. Um, this, is, this is a line um, I remember in the commercials for like leading up to the premiere. This they would play this on Sci-Fi all the time, and this was like the last one of the last lines that they ever said. And it, I heard it a billion times. Um, but Tyrrell's Tyrrell says something. Uh, some things you just don't do, Colonel, even in war. And playing over the music whatever they played in uh in the commercials but when he says that line every time i always think about that Hmm. so back on galactica we are introduced to a situation that is a complete uh 180 
I had to think about that. Not 360. It's a complete 180 <laughs> <laughs> uh, from where we last saw these two characters. So Adama is in the cell with Sharon. Last time we saw Adama and Sharon, he was like, get that thing out of here. Um, apparently over the past year and four months now, they have been, he's been like talking to her and in the commentary, you know, Ron Moore kind of talks about that where it's like with most everybody gone, like the only other person that really would have talked to Sharon is Hilo, obviously. Um, but he's over that year, um, Adama really hasn't had anybody to talk to and, so he's been sort of like confiding and talking to Sharon. And over the time, they their bond has gotten um, better and better. He he actually talks about how he can't really talk to Lee, um, you know, besides the fact that Lee's on the other ship, but also Lee's just not really in mental space to, you know, have any kind of meaningful discussion. Um, apparently, so they've been talking for a while, and she asked him something and she says, um, do you feel guilty about leaving the people on New Caprica? And he's like, well, I don't, I don't do guilt. Um, she says, uh, she tells a story about how she realized that she felt guilt for all the things that happened to her. In my notes, I wrote, she says happened to her. I wrote in parentheses in caps that she did. <laughs> so it wasn't like, <laughs> it wasn't that things happened to her and I don't know I don't know how I ended up here but like she actually did those things but neither here nor there it actually is more powerful um, because she did do those things but then she decided at a certain point that she um, needed to forgive herself she was angry at herself for all of those things and it wasn't until she began to forgive herself that she began to like kind of let those things go and here we are having this conversation um, that she probably could not have foreseen a year before um, and then she says she doesn't think the fleet can survive unless Adama finds a way to forgive himself. I love that so much. I love those two so much. I love this moment so much. Yeah. And my heart. Uh, um, and we get to see a little bit more, I think, in the next episode. Um, anyways, Stocky Lee be eaten. <laughs> and And this is why, like, in the next scene. So he's just, it's just so over the top. Like he's, it's like this, there's a pet peeve I have. Um, it's like kind of like, a, it's so specific, but like when they want to do a, a live action version of the Fantastic Four, <laughs> they always, almost always have Reed Richards because he's like, he's a smart scientist. So they always make him like an awkward nerd. Right. And it's sort of like, you know, they make him have some version, and it's also another reason why I can't stand Big Bang Theory. It's because it's sort of like they're doing like this caricature of this idea of what a nerd is. And for them, the way that they characterize Lee here is he's just like chomping on food and he's all sloppy. <laughs> and it's just not real. <laughs> You know, it's uh, like kind of what you were talking about with uh, you were talking about with um, Ty earlier, just how good of an actor he is. Mm -hmm. It's like it's like, I mean, who knows what discussions they made about the choices and maybe maybe they just did this over the topness because they had condensed time and that's the best way to communicate this stuff. 
Um, but it just, to me, it just, it's so over the top. And it's so, again, it's almost like he's not, it's not that he's not Lee. It's like, it's not that it's Lee that's gotten soft. It's just a completely different, it's like Jamie Bamber acting like a fat person, you know? And I just, yeah. And that's, that's, that's why I, whenever I, that's why I think the whole fat Lee thing sticks because it's like, he's a caricature. It's not like, it's not like they're necessarily like talking about his weight per se. It's just like, he's just this, he's just this thing, you know? And it's just, it's so wild. Anyways, he's chomping on food and whatever. Um, and he's talking to himself. And he's like, I'm soft. I'm I'm soft. Do you believe that? And D in her silence, like obviously agrees. And Lee gets triggered by that. And he's like, Oh, you don't think I'm soft? And she basically is like, Yes, mm-hmm. but not. It's not the weight, but it's your edge. Um, you lost your confidence. She basically says he lost his war. Um, he's so invested in not being like his father, but he doesn't realize that he's so like him um and more than he knows and then she says that's why she married him and that's to me that's a little creepy yeah, that's but, a little weird yeah <laughs> but you know i kind of i get i get what you're saying but that's like did you have like a thing for for Tama all these years and you just kept it to yourself yeah, i guess but... she just like looks up to him or respects him admires him and lee had a lot of the same qualities so i i get it it's just a weird way to word it yeah so anyways um tyrell goes out to check the dog bowl and sees it inside the drawer are jamming frequencies Ooh, um they they try it doesn't work right away they're still jamming and then out in orbit we see racetrack and skulls and they're just kind of getting it they said they have 10 more minutes so they jump back to galactica um and then down in new caprica they're like, oh, it's working. And then right before they jump, Skulls notices that there's a transmission. So they send the message and it says, we will make contact with this frequency every 12 hours. Um, prepare sit rep for command authority. Have hope. We're coming for you. The sense of hope that I felt uh, watching that, and it's only been like 20 minutes. <laughs> um, but you definitely get the sense that this has been going on for a while. It gives you a sense of hope and um, the it gives Adama a sense of hope because he gets message that it went through finally and he says it's going to be okay it's really going to be okay Um, Roslyn and Tori I'm so in love with Tori (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) I just I am so in love with her um she, uh, they're trying to, what they're trying to, they're like looking at these photos and trying to figure out who the, uh, the police, the, the Caprica police are. Yeah. Uh, they said, they mentioned that there are 200 of them, mm-hmm. which is wild. And, you know, 200 fracking traders. Um, meanwhile, Duck is praying and that, that there's a picture of Nora, which I, you know, I mentioned before they actually digitally, um, replaced. So it was some other actress before. Um, but anyways, he asked the gods for protection. But again, as a viewer, you don't quite know what's going to be happening, but, um, you know, we find out. Um, well, also, I guess this is important if you have watched the webisodes that he kept refusing to go and pray with her. 
he mm. was oh yeah he was not religious mm. and now he's basically praying to her uh so uh, on on um colonial one i i almost said caprica one again um on colonial one or capricorn one um uh, gata enters baltar's quarters or the uh, the ship and um it's time for the ceremony and baltar in that moment decides that he's not going he says security cons- concerns it's actually they they kind of cut to six and i'm wondering if six like knew something or just kind of no, i'm like, wondering as if a... head six knew something uh was that head six or no that was capricorn oh, we, oh yeah, yeah we yeah. don't see yeah. head six but yeah, he gets six, yeah. up to like oh yes gets up like i'm gonna go and then he sort of yeah. pauses as if he's listening to something and then he hmm. says actually there's been a change of plan yeah because even even six seems a little like oh and then he's just like don't look so worried there'll be other graduations yeah <laughs> the gata is like oh Okay. He looks a little worried. Guy Baltar's like, don't look so worried. And then Gata dips and he jets. He's bolting. <laughs> this is like I think it's the most athletic we've ever seen Gata. Mm-hmm. Like he's sprinting, right? And I you know, trying to get to the uh bombing. And meanwhile, Tyrol and um, not to the bombing, but to the dog uh, the water bucket. Um me- meanwhile, Tyrol, Ty and Anders are kind of wa- like walking and discussing the bombing. Um, you know, he wants them to proceed. Uh, Tyrrell has hesitation. Um, uh, Ty says the only way, we're, only way to we're going to abort this is if Baltar isn't going to be there. So Tyrrell makes one last like journey to the dog bucket. Um, he looks and he sees that it's still upright. Um, and he you know, kind of sighs and walks away. And then right after that, Gata shows up, flips it over, and then he puts the message in. And also, obviously, he was too late. Mm-hmm. Um then we see finally, like we knew this was coming, but Di- uh, I almost said Dick. Um, Duck, <laughs> Duck is arming um, a suicide vest, bomb vest, mm-hmm. um, and then he enters the facility. Um, there's like a scene where a, a Cylon um, Centurion kind of like gets in his face, and Duck's nervous or whatever. Um, inside, you see all the all the scabby traitors. With their little Nazi uniforms, mm-hmm. um, Hitler youth, Hitler youth uniforms on, uh, we see weak ass Jammer trying to get Duck's attention, and Duck's like avoiding them. Um, Deanna gets up in front of them all, and she greets the graduates, um, and she kind of starts to go through and shake their hand. She gets to Duck. Duck says, "See you soon, Nora," and then, boom, and he explodes himself and the room. Lots of floating burnt paper. We see a lot of dead bodies on the ground. It's super, super dark. And that is how we end the episode Occupation. So the only quibble I have is that we see as Deanna walks up to Duck, we see Jammer is basically standing right behind him. Mm -hmm. And my only quibble is... Jammer would be super dead. Yeah, I mean, I I always thought that. I mean, every time, even back then, I watched it, I was just assumed Duck would be dead. But well, Duck is um, dead. Jammer. 
I mean, I'm sorry, Jammer. Like Jammer would be dead. Yeah. And and yeah, and he wasn't. But no, I don't know. Things happen. I don't know. I know a story. It happened like in the 70s, but some woman fell out of a plane. Um, it got struck by lightning, and she fell out of the plane and into the jungles and the, the Amazon, and she survived. So I don't know. Things happen. I don't know. <laughs> so <laughs> okay, but that's real life, and this is television, and they should have had Jammer not standing directly behind Duck. That's hilarious that you say that. <laughs> You're like, that's real life. I mean, I can't. <laughs> that's real life, and this I, is fake. I can't, so this needs to be more real. I can't quibble <laughs> with a real life story about somebody falling out of a plane and surviving. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I always kind of let it go. I did. It, it just didn't. It didn't seem like he should survive. But I like. I also like the idea of him surviving because he's such a sniveling mm-hmm. rat. And you know, and also we wouldn't get to see um, what happens to him later if <laughs> this didn't happen. So. So a couple things, um, I guess on his podcast, Ron Moore said that the alternate scripts included members of the resistance kidnapping humanoid Cylons and keeping them alive in a dungeon, and the remaining Cylons would become more apprehensive with each mysterious disappearance. Um, and then there was a scene showing how Ty loses his, his eye that was shot with a number five poking the camera lens in a point of view shot. However, it felt it would be too weird and stylized for the show, and having Ty merely tell what happened was more effective. <laughs> which I agree with. Yeah, with that that bit about um, them kidnapping the Cylons, and there's also another bit where he he the opening of the episode was completely different, um, and it was like I think it was like Deanna was making a propaganda film. Um, for to disseminate to new new, new Capricans, mm-hmm. um, and there was just like a lot of debate about that. But basically, you know, listening to the commentary, he he basically there was a lot of ideas that they actually didn't end up using, or they like ended up using in the next episode. Um, but that whole thing with the kidnapping them, he you know kind of says like it just like there were too many. It was like it was too many ideas happening. So that's one of the reasons why they pulled that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also like logistically, it doesn't like it's kind of it's like a cool idea. But logistically, it almost doesn't kind of make sense. Like eventually they're going to die. Right. And then and then what? You know, so it kind of opens up plot holes if that happens. So. So was Baltar the worst this week? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Who gets full colors? I'm going to give them the duck. Okay. That's valid. I gave it to I mean, Ty. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who would you throw out the airlock? Um, I mean, Jammer. You know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I said Baltar. Yeah. Uh, and this. I mean, I mean, yes to Baltar, but he is he was the worst. So I just left him off <laughs> that list. But yeah. Um, and this week's favorite Cylon, I actually don't have one. I put Sharon, actually. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, because of her her per- her perspective shift. Yeah. For Adama, it's very very wise what she said, um, very vulnerable. I really enjoyed that. So. Um, do we have any reviews? We sort of do. Okay. Um. Yeah. 
So someone reached out to me on Instagram, my personal Instagram. Um, I asked, I asked them if I could read it and they said, yes, so I will. Um, said, uh, his name is Cylon Modeler on Instagram. Um, we, first of all, he, or they, I don't know if it's a man or woman, they were commenting on how, like I was discussing way back in, I think it's like the season one finale, they were watching that episode. And there's a moment when she, I think uh, Starbuck refers to the notes of life or something. And I, in that moment, I stopped you from talking because I was like, oh my God, I, that's totally what the finale was, right? Mm-hmm. And and then they reached out and they said, you know, I see you finally had that Neo moment. So like, finally, I, like it was like I saw the Matrix basically. Um, and then um, they say, sadly, most don't realize the weight of her words. It blew them away. I guess RDM and company had a better idea about the ending than people give them credit for. I totally agree with that. Like I, some people, I don't know, I don't know why they think what they think about the finale, but I think it's great. Um, and then they say, I'm thoroughly enjoying the podcast. In some of the episodes, you said, if anyone is listening, to which I immediately raise my hand. <laughs> so I'd like to thank you and Jamie for taking the time to make the podcast and remember hashtag BSG is life. So thank you very much, Cylon Modeler. I really appreciate those kind words. It made my day. And I told them I'd relay that message to you, Jamie, which I did. I appreciate it so, too. I love yeah. Knowing that people are listening, if you want to reach out to Diallo on his Instagram, please do. Uh, you can also reach out. Um, my Instagram is oh hey Jamie. It's o underscore hey underscore Jamie. You can always message there. You can also email us at galacticaactuallypodcast at gmail dot com. And where else can people find you? You can find me on, I started my uh, new podcast called uh, Another Review You Didn't Ask For. Um, They're basically like five to seven minute short reviews of uh, things that I've watched. I give mostly high level um, reviews about it. I don't really get into the plot so much, but just I I give my thoughts about it. And they're really like primers to kind of get you in the right mindset to watch things. so you can find that. I just started an Instagram channel for that. Um, but you also can check that podcast out. Another review you didn't ask for. And also, uh, I am on TV Obscura, or uh, Podcasting After Dark uh, presents TV Obscura. This week we'll be recording an episode uh, about some 70s detective shows, 70s and 80s detective shows. We're about to drop our Christmas episode. Um, so, yeah, and you can find me. First Noel Chronicles and Angela in the Dark. Okay. Do you have any? And you can find me in you can find me in these streets <laughs> by talking to Jennifer Garner. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any last thoughts about this episode before we close out? Uh, no, not really. It's uh, you know, I I we talked about it in the last episode. Uh, that and I was kind of wondering because I in my memory I was like I feel like this was like you know that it was like a two-parter but it, they showed it the same night and I think we were a little fuzzy on it but in uh, 
and the uh, the commentary Ron Moore definitely says that. So it's like two parter, and then I think there was like another two parter after like after this, right? And then and then they get off Capri. I I don't know. Well, there's but. four episodes before they. Yeah, I think Exodus is Exodus part one and two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But this so, wasn't listed. Yeah. Like, if you look it up, it's got its own. Each episode has its own title, and it's not a part one, part two. Right. But they, they right. did air them on the same night and, yeah, on and the same like, night. write them as if they were to be watched yeah. together. We just decided yeah. to keep them separate. Yeah. Yeah. Because in my memory, it's like the, the, the scene with duck isn't like the end of the episode. And so it's sort of like, that was just, that happened. And then we keep going. Yeah. Like, so yeah, that, I mean, I don't know if that's, that's nothing about nothing, but that's all I have to say. Can't wait to get, <laughs> can't wait to get to the next part. Well, next week is precipice, which like I said, is part two of this episode. And until then, what do you hear? Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.